Good morning. I'm Pastor Steve. It's good to be with you today. And we are in a study here at Faith Bible Church through the New Testament book of Second Peter. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Second Peter. And we are going to be looking at just three verses this morning in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read those verses out loud, and you can follow along in your copy of the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Peter, writing this letter at the end of his life, we know that because he tells us that in chapter 1, is writing to encourage his readers on to spiritual maturity. He opens the letter in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and and basically says, if we know Jesus, Jesus should be making a difference in our lives. If I truly know him, my life should be different than it was before. In fact, in verse 3, he goes on to explain that at the moment we place our trust in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need to live the Christian life. And we know as we look at all of the, all of scripture, that at the moment that we place our trust in Jesus Christ, believing that he is God who died on the cross as payment for our sin and rose again from the dead, at that moment, a myriad of things happen to us. We become adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. While we still have a sin nature or a bent towards sin, we do not have to obey it. We are not enslaved to sin anymore. The Spirit of God comes into us and takes up residence and is our seal, our pledge of our future inheritance. And He enables us to read the Word of God and apply it to our hearts. And He enables us to live lives that are pleasing to Jesus. A myriad of things take place. And Peter says, all of those things that we need to live for Jesus Christ as a Christian, at the moment we place our trust in him, we are equipped with those things. So, in chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, Peter says, let's do it. Let's press on to maturity. Let's, with all of our strength and our abilities, 
pursue knowing more and more of Jesus Christ. Pursue Christ-likeness. And last week, we saw in chapter 1, verses 12 through 21, Peter talking about two catalysts for growth. Two things that enable us, that spur us on to grow toward Christian maturity. One is the reality that Jesus Christ is going to come back. When, when he comes back, we want to be found by him living for him. And secondly, it's this book, the word of God, that this book is not just a collection of ancient writings that a group of people got together underneath an editor and said, hey, let's put together a neat anthology of truth. No. Peter says that human authors were carried along by the Spirit of God so that what they wrote is actually God's word to us. And so, chapter 1, Peter says, we've been equipped with everything we need to live for Jesus. So let's do it. Let's press forward with every fiber of our being. Let's work toward maturity. And we've got... Some catalysts for growth. Things to help us as we pursue Jesus Christ. One is the knowledge that he can come back at any time. And we want to be found by him. Living for him. And secondly, we've got the word of God who will teach us. We can grow by it. Because it's actually God's word to us. But as we come to chapter 2. Peter enters one of the main reasons why he wrote this letter. And that is a warning. A warning that while we've been equipped to live for Jesus, while we need to live for Jesus, there are those out there who want to keep us from living for Jesus. There are false Teachers who want to pull people away from Jesus Christ instead of directing them toward Jesus Christ. They are infiltrators, false teachers. They are devious. And Peter is going to show us that just because a person claims to be a Christian, does not mean that they are. Just because a person claims to be a spiritual person does not mean that they have new life in Jesus Christ. Just because a person claims to be following after Jesus Christ does not mean that they are legitimately a Christ follower. Right now, if you were in the state of Texas, you might know that the Texas State Fair is going right now. It always starts mid to end of September and goes to mid to end of October. And when we lived in Texas, uh, we would go to the State Fair. Now, one of the problems with going to the State Fair is parking. 
If you know me, you know that one of the first questions I always ask if I'm supposed to go someplace where there's people is how do I park? And if I don't have a clear pathway toward parking, I just won't go. I want to know that I can get in and get out. Well, the Texas State Fair is a parking nightmare. Fortunately, when we lived there, we lived within walking distance of the State Fair. So we would just walk to the fair. It was a hike, but we could do it. It was better than trying to find a parking spot. Well, while we lived there, there was an issue with parking at the State Fair. There were people who were wearing the official garb of a parking attendant. They had the credentials of an official parking attendant. They took people's money as if they were an official parking attendant. And they would fill up entire lots with cars. And then they would leave only to have parked people's cars for pay in areas that were not theirs to park cars. And so people would come back from the state fair and their car would either be ticketed or towed. Why? Because they had parked on private property and deceivers had tricked them. Now, how terrible is that? You have a family coming to enjoy the state fair with their children and they come and they look and what? It's a parking attendant. He has the shirt. He has the badge. He's taking my money as a parking attendant would. Let's go enjoy the fair because we found a place to park and they get back and their car's gone. Well, he looked like a parking attendant. He talked like a parking attendant. Why would someone do that? Well, they're greedy. They're crooks. They are devious. And Peter says to us today, as he wrote this a couple thousand years ago, the word to us today is just as important as it was to his original hearers. That we should be aware that there are people who say they are Christians. They look like they are Christians. They even may talk about a spirituality. But in reality, instead of pointing people toward the person of Jesus Christ, hoping that people will follow Jesus Christ, they are pulling people away from Jesus Christ. So Peter simply says, be warned. Don't be caught off guard. Just because a person says they are a Christian does not mean that they are. Just because a person talks about spirituality does not mean that they are truly spiritual in relationship with our Heavenly Father through the person of Jesus Christ. So we come to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, which is actually a broad brushstroke of more detailed information that Peter's going to continue to give us as this letter unfolds. Today, we're just going to look at this broad brushstroke. And as Peter introduces this, he alluded to it last week when we saw in chapter 1, verse 16. Now he starts to flesh it out. And in chapter 2, the first half of verse 1, he simply wants us to be aware that we need to be aware that there can be 
false teachers who claim to be Christians. Notice with me, I'll just read the first half of chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. One of the things that we need to do when we read our Bibles is pay close attention to the words, even the little words, like the connecting words. And if you notice chapter 2, verse 1, it has two connecting words, the little word but and the little word also. But false prophets also arose among the people. So if we see the word but, it means he's contrasting with something. Well, he's contrasting with what? Well, the verses directly before it. So this verse, chapter 2, verse 1, has something to do with what Peter just said in chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. What did he say there? Well, he reminds us that this book, this collection of writings, was not just an anthology of very good writers that worked underneath an editor so that it all ties together in a unit. No, this is God's word to us, that the prophets actually wrote their words, but the word is that they were carried along, they were moved, for Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, by the Holy Spirit, so that what they wrote was God's word to us. They spoke from God. So it's not just an ordinary book. This is the only book that God ever wrote. So, Peter says, that's where we got this book. That the Old Testament prophets, when they wrote weren't just writing what they wanted to, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But, don't also forget that there were false prophets in the Old Testament. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, we can read in that book containing the law for Israel that they were warned there's going to be false prophets and they may even show you a sign or a wonder and it may come true but if they are trying to get you to follow after other gods they're a false prophet don't listen to them and so here Peter says don't forget in the Old Testament there were false prophets false prophets also arose among the people just as there will also be false teachers among you. Now, the New Testament describes false teachers, but in this place, Peter actually calls them false teachers. Notice he doesn't call them false prophets, most likely because these ones are not necessarily claiming to be a prophet. They are just teaching falsehood. And Peter says, just as there were Old Testament false prophets, don't be surprised. I'm warning you right now, there's such a thing as a false teacher today. Now, notice with me that Peter uses a future tense verb here. He says, but false 
prophets also arose among the people, past tense, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Future tense. Why does Peter use the future tense? Some Bible teachers think it's because these false teachers haven't arrived yet. That they're coming, but they're not yet there. I don't think that's probably what's happening because if you look at chapter 2, verses 10 through 22, and chapter 3, verses 4 through 13, Peter uses present tense and past tense verbs to describe the false teachers. I think what Peter's doing here when he uses a future tense in chapter 2, verse 1, when he says there will also be false teachers, is he's actually loosely quoting other New Testament truth. And we're going to look at some of that truth in a few moments. But Jesus himself warned of false teachers. Paul warns of false teachers. So Peter is saying this. There will be false teachers among you. There are false teachers among you. Don't get caught off guard. Just because a person says they are a Christian does not mean that they are a Christian. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in one of our local coffee shops, and there was a discussion going on, kind of a formal discussion, uh, with a group all sitting around a large table, and I was seated next to them. And the discussion leader had on this big cross. And I could tell that he was talking about spirituality. As I listened, I could also tell that he was talking about a spirituality apart from Jesus Christ. He was talking about a spirituality that's found within. A spirituality that each person has as long as they can get in touch with it and find truth within themselves. This guy was trying to talk as if he was a Christian. He tried to look like a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. He was talking about a spirituality apart from Jesus Christ, and there is no such thing. Not a true spirituality. A couple of weeks later, I was in that same coffee shop, and I looked up, and a woman that I know in town here, who is a Christian was with that group. I left, waited about an hour, and I called her. And I said, why were you sitting with that group? And she explained. And I said, that guy's not a Christian. That guy is talking about a spirituality apart from Jesus Christ, and I am concerned about you. And I realize you may be ticked off that I'm calling you right now, but you shouldn't be part of that group. You see, I just... Don't think she was cognizant or aware that there could be someone out there who says they're a Christian and have nothing to do with Christ. And Peter wants to warn us. He wants us to know That just because a person says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Just because a person talks about spirituality doesn't mean that they're talking about a true spirituality that's only available in relationship with the person Jesus Christ. He is warning us. 
False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Now, Peter's not the only one that talks about this. Paul does. And I'm going to read just a couple of passages. One's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, when Timothy writes, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul also writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, Some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage, advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So Paul warns that as the days draw closer to Jesus' return, we're going to see more and more People who may want to look the part, but they're actually leading people away from Jesus Christ. They're leading people away from the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. They are saying just what people want to hear. Or they're they're talking about a spirituality that is somehow attained by doing stuff instead of by placing one's trust solely in the person of Jesus Christ. So Peter here, using future tense, I think is alluding to the fact that Scripture already talks about this. It's almost as if we could put quotation marks around that, saying, we shouldn't be surprised. We knew this already. False teachers are among us. Even Jesus talked about it in the book of Matthew chapter 24, which I think is predominantly talking about the time right before Jesus' second return. But in Matthew chapter 24, just the first couple of verses, verses 5 and, or excuse me, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will mislead many. Peter's warning is clear. There are false teachers among you. So how do we know? How do we know who is a false teacher and who is genuinely teaching the truths of the person of Jesus Christ? Well, fortunately for us, Peter here gives us a description of a false teacher. In fact, in the second half of verse 1 down through verse 3, we find a, a, a basically eight markers of a false teacher, eight characteristics of a false teacher. And overall, we're going to see that false teachers deviously introduce error that detracts from Jesus Christ's authority and he leads not only themselves, but all of their followers away from salvation. And they slander truth. So we're going to take a few minutes and just unpack these eight characteristics of a false teacher. 
And one of the main words that runs through these two and a half verses is the word destruction or destructive. It it would be in these verses similar to the word condemnation. It's the exact opposite of salvation. Notice in the second half of verse 1 it says, False teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. At the end of the verse it says they'll be bringing swift destruction upon themselves. At the end of verse 3 it says, and their destruction is not asleep. There is judgment coming to the false teacher and to those who have followed after them. So eight characteristics of a false teacher. Characteristic number one, false teachers are devious. They are devious. Notice with me in verse 2, it says, These are ones who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Secretly. Now, Peter's going to tell us these guys are big-headed, they're braggarts. It's not that the word secret here means that they don't actually verbalize their false teaching. What it's talking about is they are infiltrators. They're not, they are not covert, excuse me, they are not overt in their actions, they are covert. They, they, they sneak into the fellowship and start trying to pull people away from Jesus Christ. They are teaching behind closed doors. They are trying to erode what the, erode what the apostles are saying. They are secretly, deviously false teachers. The second thing it tells us is one of the main characteristics of a false teacher. They are pulling people away from the person of Jesus Christ. That's what false teachers do. Instead of drawing people to Jesus, they pull people away from Jesus. Notice what it says here. They are, they are even denying the master who bought them. They deny the master in their actual doctrine. For example, we're going to see in chapter 3, they're teaching that Jesus isn't coming back. You all keep saying he's coming back. He's not coming back. Just live your life however you want to live it. They're denying Jesus Christ in how they teach, and they're denying him in how they live. We're going to see in verse 2 that they are living lives that are marked by sensuality, just doing whatever they want, whatever their sinful heart desires. They are denying the master who bought them, meaning that Jesus Christ paid the price for sin for all of the world. We're going to see these people are not regenerate. They're not born again. They have not placed their trust in Christ to take advantage of that price that's been paid for them. But they are denying the master. Now, the Greek word translated master here is an interesting word because often in the New Testament it has negative connotations. It's the Greek word despotes. We get our English word despot from it. It, it, it talks about one who has absolute authority. And often, when that word is used, it's talking about absolute authority in a negative way. But there's this passage and four others in the New Testament when the word despotes is used in connection with God the Father or Jesus Christ. 
that he has absolute authority. And yet, these false teachers, it tells us, are denying their master, the one who has absolute authority over all of creation. They're denying him. What are the characteristics of a false teacher? Number one, they are devious. Number two, they pull people away from Jesus Christ. Number three, they are marked by destruction. And we looked at that already, that three times the word destruction is used. They're, they are facing one thing, condemnation. They are facing one thing, the justice that they deserve as they stand in rejection of the person of Jesus Christ. And, and the fourth characteristic of a false teacher is that that judgment is sure it's going to happen. Notice verse 1 right at the end that says that they are denying the master who brought them, who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon them. At the end of verse 3, it says their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Remember, in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we're going to say, hey, Jesus isn't coming back. If he was coming back, he would have been here already. Just We're just, life's going to go on as it is. And Peter says, no, it's not. Your end is not gone to sleep. It's coming. It's sure. Judgment is sure for you. We're looking at eight characteristics of a false teacher. They are devious. They pull people away from Christ. They have one end, and that is condemnation. And number four, that condemnation is sure. Number five, they're popular. They are popular. Look at me at verse two. Many will follow their sensuality. We cannot mistake the largeness of a following as being equivalent to truth. Just because a leader has a lot of people following them, does not mean that that person is speaking truth. And here, verse 2 says, many will follow them. Fifth or Sixth characteristic of a false teacher is they malign the truth. They malign the gospel by their lifestyles. Notice again verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Seventh characteristic, they're greedy. They are greedy. Notice with me at verse 3, and in their greed they will exploit you. And the eighth characteristic of a false teacher is simply that they teach what's false. In their greed they will exploit you with false words. So eight characteristics of a false teacher. They're devious. They pull people away from Christ. They have one end, and that is condemnation or destruction. That judgment or condemnation is sure. They are popular. They malign the gospel. They are greedy and false. Every spring, I go with a man from here at Faith Bible Church named Rob Bradley, bird banding. Now that may seem kind of strange thing, but Rob and our church family has a federal 
bird banding license. And what he does, he sets up hundreds of yards of what are called mist nets. They're a, a very fine mesh net that goes from the ground maybe about 10 feet high. And birds fly into the nest, and then, and then he and me and others of his team, we remove the birds, and he puts a little numbered band on their leg, and then scientists are able to track migration patterns, how long birds live, what they, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of things like that. And it's fascinating. Every spring, this spring, we, uh, captured a warbler that Rob had never seen before. And he's been doing this like 30 plus years. It's fascinating. Well, once in a while, we catch a bird that we just hate. We have a pond out behind our house, and we have one rule when people say, can I come fish? And the rule is this. If you catch a bullhead, you can't put it back in the water. That's our pond rule. If you fish in our pond and you catch bullheads, they cannot go back in the water. They need to be destroyed. And that's what you'd like to do with a few of the birds we catch in the mist nest. Now, we can't do that. But one such bird is the brown-headed cowbird. They are a disgusting bird. The brown-headed cowbird is a parasite bird. And what they do, they are lazy. What they do, the females come into a nest. And they could come into a, a nest of a beautiful bird that encourages all the people around them with their song and their beauty. And they come into that nest. They lay their egg in that nest. Sometimes the female will take the other eggs and actually destroy them and, and throw them out of the nest. And sometimes they just lay their egg... And, and leave the other eggs alone. And then they just take off. They go on vacation. So it's like, I'm going to lay an egg here. And then I'm going on vacation. And you, other mother bird, you are responsible to do all the work. And so this little baby brown-headed cowbird is born. But the problem is, is that the gestation period of a brown-headed cowbird is most of the time less than other birds. So that baby bird is hatched first. It gets to be bigger before the other ones are even born. It takes all the food. The other babies die. They are just a nasty, nasty bird. And what you'd like to do when you see them in the nets is just basically have a pair of pliers and put it out of its misery and get rid of it. But you can't do that. They are a parasite. They are infiltrators. They're sneaky. They like to get someone else to do all of their work so they can just have a good time. They hurt all the other good birds. They should be destroyed. From one birder to others. And what Peter says here is these false teachers are infiltrators. They're sneaky. They hurt people. In fact, Peter says they lead people away from Jesus Christ to a point that their end is the same as the false teacher. And they will be destroyed. It's sure it's going to happen. And Peter simply says this. We need to be aware. 
Not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Not everyone who wants to talk about spirituality. Not everyone who wants to talk about prayer. Not everyone who wants to talk about doing good deeds is doing it as a Christian. In fact, some people just like to talk the talk and look the look and talk about spiritual things, but in reality are trying to pull you and me away from the person of Jesus Christ. They are infiltrators. They are sneaky. They are deceptive. They are trying to actually draw people away from Jesus. Now, I want to make a quick remark here. And that is this. It is important for us to be very careful in using the label false teacher. We cannot, just because someone disagrees with us on a theological point, does not make them a false teacher. Uh, we could sit around in a circle and talk about any point of theology and probably have six opposing views. That doesn't mean that I or you is a false teacher. Peter has given us the marks of a false teacher. Uh, Paul talks about, for example, in 1 Corinthians 8, how people have different opinions on how to apply biblical truth. For example, one guy goes to the meat market in 1 Corinthians 8, and he says, hey, they've got ribeye steaks, but they're $10 a pound. But look at these ribeyes right here. They're only $1.95, and it's from the same beef. It's just a matter of this one for a buck ninety-five happened to be used in a ceremony where an idol was worshipped. But that idol is just a chunk of stone. Why would I spend ten bucks for that ribeye when I could get the same ribeye for a buck ninety-five and enjoy it? I'm buying the buck ninety-five. There's another Christian that says, "No way! That ribeye was used to sacrifice to an idol. You can't be you can't be eating that. You'll you'll be supporting idol worship." And that was a big controversy in Paul's day. What's Paul say? Things like, hey, don't be judgmental of the person that eats the meat. But don't allow your life to cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. Or in Romans chapter 14, you know, one person would say, oh, every day is the same. And another person says, no, this particular day needs to be set apart solely for God. And this is how we need to do that. And people don't always agree. And Paul says things like, don't look at that stronger brother with eyes of of condemnation. Or don't look down on the weaker brother. In bottom line, pursue all the things that pursue the things that make for peace. So both the, the New Testament sees that there's going to be difference of opinion on how to apply biblical truth sometimes. That's not false teaching. False teaching is described for us here in 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to see next week the false teacher that Peter's describing is not someone who's born again. It's not someone who actually has experienced regeneration by the Spirit of God. It's not one person. It's not a person who's ever placed their trust in Jesus Christ. They are all about leading people away from Jesus Christ. They are destructive. They are... They are trying to bring people down a pathway away from salvation toward condemnation just like they are. And Peter says, be aware. Just because a person talks spirituality doesn't make them spiritual. 
Just because a person looks like a Christian and talks like a Christian and acts like a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. What do they say about Jesus? Are they trying to draw people to Jesus? Or are they talking about a religiosity, a spirituality apart from Jesus? Are they trying to encourage people to live for him in all aspects of their life? Or are they saying things like, well, you can choose to live however you want to live, just so it doesn't affect the people around you negatively. You see, a lot of people want to come across as if they are a Christian. Peter says, be careful. Be careful. Watch out for false teachers who lead people away from believing in Jesus and living for Jesus. Father, we thank you for these important words. They aren't fun words. It's not an enjoyable topic to talk about false teachers. But Peter saw it's important for us. It's important for us to recognize that there are people out there who want to hurt and destroy instead of build up. There are people out there who want to lead people away from Jesus instead of drawing people to him. Help us to be mindful of the need to look for truth. Help us to actually pursue a growing relationship with Jesus Christ every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.